Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Blue Ridge Church. Uh, I want to welcome you here. If it's your first time, especially, thank you so much for being here. Don't worry, we're not going to do anything crazy. We're not going to ask you to stand up and introduce yourself and tell us about your life. We truly are just glad that you're here with us. Whether you're in person, streaming online, uh, it's going to be a good morning. Uh, If you've been with us the last couple weeks, you know we've been in this series called Cloud Nine. And what we've been talking about is happiness. Uh, the, The question everyone's wondering, what we all want in life, how to be happy, right? How can I be happy? What do I need to do? How do I need to act? How do I need to live in order to find joy in life? And if you haven't been tuning in, what we've been talking about are things that are a little bit differently, uh, expressed differently than what we've probably heard in our lives growing up, right? Most of us hear the same thing. We need to, you know, grow up and graduate. Then you need to go to school and then find a job and start a family, have kids and and accumulate money so one day you can retire uh, without having to worry about anything else in life. And so that's kind of the, the promise that we have in life is if you do all those things, then you'll be happy. Where Whereas a lot of people in this room, you've been to those stages in life, you've experienced those things, and while they're good, and those do bring some level of joy, it's nothing like what we see and read about in the scriptures, the type of and level of joy that God promises to those who love him. And so we've talked about things like self-sacrifice. We've talked about things like dealing with relationships, having healthy relationships in life, And so we're going to continue in that. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and last week Scott finished up chapter one, and we're going to dive into chapter two this morning, and we're going to talk about something that every single one of us has to deal with. Every single one, no matter who you are, no matter, you know, if you're a Christian in this room, you don't have a relationship with God, or you're not sure what you believe, we all deal with and struggle with this same thing, and it's a lack of humility. We're going to talk about pride. I know, I know some of you are like, oh, the church talk on humility, this is the worst, why did I show up today? Um, but listen, and I know if you're like me, you're like, I didn't even have to learn humility growing up, it just, it just comes natural, right? All right? But we're all prideful people, it's something we can throw out on the table this morning. Every single one of us deals with pride, and pride is the opposite of humility, right? Uh, but what we're going to really, really dive into and, and see today is that happiness without humility is impossible. It's just the way it is. That's the way God designed it. Happiness without humility is literally impossible to have. And the reason for that, there's a lot of reasons for that, but one of the biggest reasons that it's impossible to be truly happy without being humble is because when we're prideful, and we all experience it, even, even the good people, right? They all experience pride. When we experience pride and we live that out in our lives, oftentimes that leads us to a lot of conflict, a lot of conflict with other people, right? A lot of disagreements, a lot of arguing, a lot of proving yourself to other people and, you know, sharing what you believe and why you believe it and, and dying on hills in life because you're like, I just need to let everyone know how I feel about this. And so whether that's on social media, whether that's in conversations at work or at home, a lot of us experience that conflict. And a lot of that is rooted in a prideful heart. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is how we can live our lives the way God intended for us to live while getting rid of that pride and embracing humility the way God promises will bring us that joy. Here's what the Bible says 
In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10, it says, Arrogant know-it-alls stir up discord, but wise men and women listen to each other's counsel. Right? The, what, the wisdom we have from the book of Proverbs is saying this, if you would just practice being considerate of one another, you would avoid a lot of problems in your life. If you just lived your life like you weren't the only one on the planet, you would avoid a lot of conflict, a lot of unnecessary and unresolved conflict in your life that would lead you to a lot more happiness than what you've experienced or what you're experiencing now. And in many of you, if you're in conflict right now, maybe when I said that someone came to your mind or a conversation or an issue with someone or at work came to your mind and you're like, right, that's it. It's impossible to, it's possible to be happy. Right? It's just hard to focus because you're just so worried about that. You're dealing with that. Those of you in this room who you've walked away from uh, issues in your life or you try to run away from conflict, you know the same thing to be true. I've burned bridges in my life and there's places I can't go anymore because I've burned those bridges. There's relationships that I've lost out on because I've burned bridges in my life. And I know that unresolved conflict takes away from the joy and the happiness that God promises to us. See, what we're going to realize this morning, and I think as you get older, what you realize too is that you don't really have to argue with everyone. You don't have to prove your point with everyone. You don't have to tell everyone how you feel. You don't have to explain your opinions to everyone you work with and everyone you live with. And that will help to make us more joyful people. I used to have a, a high school, when I was in high school, I had this football coach who every single, it felt like every week or every game, he'd, he'd tell us this. He'd say this thing over and over again. He'd say, uh, your opinion matters. It does. What you believe, your opinion matters, just not to everyone. Right? Like the things you believe, the things that you, uh, the things you like, the preferences you have, they do matter, but not to everybody. Other people see life differently. Other people uh, have different worldviews. Other people believe things about certain things that you might see differently. And we need to do what we can do to avoid the conflict with those people who see differently, but also at the same time live in harmony with them. I think that's one of the things, and, and maybe that's because of the political landscape or just with technology that's gotten really difficult these days, is being able to disagree with someone and still like them. Right, isn't that crazy, right? You could draw the line in the sand and just about just about anything in life and put yourself on one side and someone else on the other side, depending on what you believe, maybe who you voted for, what sports team you like, what kind of toppings you like on your pizza, right? <laughs> crazy people who don't like pineapple on your pizza, I don't know what you're thinking. It's amazing. But right, isn't it true that we've lost the ability to live in harmony with one another because of disagreements and conflicts? And we see that everywhere. We see that all over the place. There's division all over. And we're in conflict with so many different people that believe so many different things. And one of the truths that we see in the scripture that we're about to read here in a minute is that part of what it means to follow Jesus, part of what it means to have joy and experience that happiness is learning to live in harmony with people who don't agree and believe the same things you might not believe in. And so we're going to pick right up in verse 1. Uh, like I said, last, last week we finished up chapter 1. We're going to pick up in chapter 2 this morning, right from the beginning. And remember, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the main writers of the New Testament. He wrote a letter to this church, the church of the, the Philippians. And he's giving them all this advice and this wisdom from God to live by in order to find joy and experience the joy in their lives. And here's what he starts out saying. He says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? 
Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. What he's telling this church here is you need to learn how to live in harmony with one another. He's telling them that, that, yeah, I know you're passionate. We learned in the first chapter of the last couple of weeks that we read that they had such a strong relationship with Christ, that they were really following hard after God, that all, all the churches that Paul writes to, this is one of the only ones that he is just so proud of them and excited about their relationship and drive and enthusiasm after God. But if you're really excited and passionate about something, you know this to be true, especially Christianity, it makes it really hard to live alongside of people who see differently, right? The, the greater the enthusiasm, the harder the collision, right? If you're very passionate about something, it's hard to live alongside and live uh, har harmoniously with other people who might not believe those same things or agree with every single thing that you believe in. And so Paul's telling this church, be very careful not to live outside of the harmonious relationship that the church should live within. And so he says a couple things in that. He says, I want you to be of the same mind, right? The same thinking. Doesn't mean you have to agree on every single thing, every single topic, every single detail, but, but you need to have that mental harmony that, that makes a, a church strong, makes individuals strong and, and gives them joy. He says this, I want you to share the same love, I want you to, to be passionate about the same things. I want you to love one another. Doesn't matter what kind of family you came from. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what your demographics are, your, your socioeconomic scale is. Love one another. The Bible says we are all one family together. We're brothers and we're sisters. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have differences, but live in harmony with one another. He says, I want you to be united in spirit. I want you to be united in your relationship with God. I want you to be on the same page together. He closes and says, I want you to be intent on one purpose. And what Paul's getting to is he's telling this church this is he's saying, I know you're all running the race together. I know you're all running. Uh, and maybe some of you are going different speeds. Some of you are stopping in certain places where others might not be, but make sure that you're just running in the same direction together. Make sure that you're on the same path together. Again, it's okay to be different. It's okay to have differences, but learning to live in harmony is, is one of the keys that he's leaving for this church. And so what he says here is, is what we can gather is if you want to experience joy, if you want to learn how to live happily like God tells us we can, then you need to learn how to deal with that unresolved conflict in your relationships. And so learning number one, if you want to write this down, I'll never be able to experience true joy with unresolved conflict. I mean, have you ever been in a really divided situation? Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you had a family that was broken. And that changes things, right? It makes things really hard. Holidays are not the same when your family's divided. You ever worked for someone or an organization or a place that had divided management? When I was in college, I worked for this Italian restaurant. And it was one of these, like, literally, like, off the boat. They came from Italy to start this restaurant downtown Buffalo. And the parents, they had four children. And so they kind of all ran things together, but the mom and dad had most of the, the responsibilities. And, and so they started getting older and they realized they weren't able to do certain things that they had been able to do before. And so they had this genius idea to hand over the family business to each child. They all got 25% of the business. 
And anyone who's ever been a part of a business like that knows that that is a disaster, right? Everyone's fighting for power. You know, one son said this, the other daughter said that. And so you get caught in the middle of division like that. And it's a really difficult place to, to work. Divide, division and conflict, especially unnecessary conflict, is so hard to function in. And it's so hard to find joy and happiness in. And this is why Paul is saying, do what you can to avoid it. Do what you can to avoid it, but the conflict you have to deal with, don't leave it unresolved. Don't walk away from it. Don't try to hide from it. Don't try to run from it. Deal with that conflict you have in your life. And he says that the joy and the happiness will follow. And what he does next in the next couple of verses is he gives us a little bit of a blueprint of the things that we can do, the decisions we can make, and the way we can live our lives to help us uh, deal with that conflict, but also how to avoid that conflict altogether, especially the unnecessary conflict in those relationships. And so learning number two, he says this, um, and we'll get to this in Philippians, but it says, if I want to experience joy, I need to practice humility. It's where it all starts. This whole chapter we're going to read about all starts with learning how to practice humility. And it is not easy. Here's what he says in verse three. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. So he's straight out of the gate. He's saying, just, just don't live your life in a way where you're trying to impress other people. Again, that is not easy to do. The world we live in does not make that easy to do. I don't know if many of you listen to this guy named Dave Ramsey. He's a uh, financial advisor and he's got this radio show and he does YouTube videos. And, and he's so, it's entertaining because people will call in and ask questions about financial advice. And some of the questions are like really good questions. You're like, oh, I never would have thought about that. And then others are like crazy, right? This, you know, the guy will call in. He's like, I went to school for 12 years, racked up $450,000 of student loan debt, worked for one year, then didn't like it. So I quit. What should I do? <laughs> And in Dave Ramsey, he just tells it how it is. He's like, you're an idiot. Like, go back to work, pay that off. Like, why would you go to school that long and for a career that you're not going to be in? It's just, it's really entertaining. And so if you listen to him, one of the things he'll say pretty often um, about this topic, he'll say something like this. He'll say, so many of us spend money we don't have to buy things we can't afford to impress people we don't even like. Isn't that so true? Like, don't we do things and make decisions and, and that could be spending money or spending time or, or posting things online to impress people that we probably don't even like anyways? But I think what Paul's getting to by saying this is he's revealing something about human nature and life that for many of us, it's just this giant rivalry. Like ever since you're little, Right? Your parents are fighting over who's got the best kid, who can do this first, who can do that first. As you grow up, it becomes, you know, what, what kind of classes are you in? What schools do you go to? And then you graduate. What did you graduate with? What kind of degree? And you're, you're, you play sports. Who makes the team? Who doesn't? You're in organizations. Who gets picked? Who doesn't? Then you graduate, and then you go to college. And it's like, what college did you get into? Oh, I got in this one. Oh, I got in that one. It's just this fight constantly. Then it's finding a job. Like, oh, I got this job that pays this. I got that job that paid that. Well, I, I had kids first, or I got married first. And it just doesn't it just feel like life is this big rivalry with everyone else? And isn't that exhausting? Isn't that so tiring to live that way? But isn't it so easy to get caught in that cycle? We are constantly trying to live for the approval of other people or or beat out what other people set as the standard of having, you know, this by this point in life or this by that age. And if you don't, you feel like you're missing out on what everyone else has. 
I think what Paul starts off, and he's saying the start, the beginning of humility is learning not to be selfish. And especially when it comes to other people, not trying to live your life impressing them and making a show. I think you can really see this in the workplace. I think out of all places you could find in your career, whether you work now or you've had a job or you're looking for a job, this is really hard to be selfless at your workplace, especially if you've, maybe you own your own business or you do something that's highly competitive. Because don't we have that nature where we want to be the winners? Don't we want to have the edge on other people? About five years ago, I started a marketing business that, that you know, I've talked about a little bit up here, but, but I just did a lot of digital stuff. And, and I ended up finding a, a really good strategy that, that gave me a lot of success and, you know, winning clients and, and people over. And so what ended up happening in the very beginning is a lot of people would come and ask like, okay, Matt, what kind of strategies are you, uh, you know, what implementing in these businesses to help them grow and, and increase their sales? And, and so I'd have these conversations with these people, oftentimes they're all strangers. And, and part of me would be like, the Christian part was like, I should tell them what I do and, and how I make this all work. But then the prideful part of me was like, uh, maybe not. Maybe I'll keep it a secret. And, and, and we have that tendency in a lot of areas in life too, don't we? Well, we withhold information from other people because we want to use it to get ahead. Or, or maybe we, we don't share a, you know, something with a, someone else that might put them in the same position we are because why? We fear that we might get overshadowed or, or maybe we might become irrelevant or maybe whatever our position is might get uh, skipped over for or the position that we might be in line for might get skipped over for someone else. In church world, that's a really hard thing to do too. You know, churches are constantly trying to figure out what's working, what's not. How do you get more people to come? How do you reach out to the community? How do you become better at, 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 at preaching the gospel and, and inviting people to your church? And one of the things I love so much about this place is, and we just talked about this in our series we just did about blueprints, is Blue Ridge Church has only been, always been a church who who, who helps and shares everything we do with other churches. We haven't drawn lines in the sand and said, you know, we're a Blue Ridge Church, we're only going to do things that help at our church and help out what we do and, and the things that we want to put on and the events we have. You know, we, should, we, we give money, we share with people how to do the whole technology piece, especially when the quarantine hit and everyone was staying home. You realize that when we were the only, one of the only churches in the area that was doing this, and, and we could have so easily said, uh, you know, can't help you, sorry, everyone come watch our stuff, everyone come to our things, everyone support our ministry. But instead what we did is we said it's not about us. And we helped other churches get their streams up. And we helped other churches come up with the equipment and show them how to do what we were doing because why? Because we're awesome? No. Because we've realized that life is bigger than just us. The kingdom of God is bigger than just our church, and we've got a responsibility to help other people, regardless of who they are, regardless of if, if they're a different denomination or they have different viewpoints on certain things, to live in harmony as best we can with other people. And it starts with humility. It starts with forgetting about ourselves sometimes and focusing on the other people around us. And that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean you can't ever have nice things as a Christian. It doesn't mean you can't ever come in first place or, or do things that, that cause you to get ahead. That's not what it means at all. It just means we need to start living our lives like we're not the only ones who exist. To start living in such a way that other people around us might think and see life a little differently than we, we do, but still be able to build bridges and live in harmony with those people alongside of them. And so what we see here in, in the scriptures is 
is we see that the, the push and the call to living in harmony. Here's what it says in James chapter 3, verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder of, of every kind. The evil of every kind. He's saying, you know what follows jealousy? You know what follows that selfishness? Evil. Evil intentions and evil heart. Now, luckily, Paul gives us these, these things to say, the things to do to help us become selfless and help us to live outside of just a world that involves us and us alone. And so that's why he continues in the second part of verse 3 and says, Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. What Paul's saying here is we need to start training ourselves to think in such a way about, less about me and more about we. Right? Instead of how is this going to affect me, how is this going to affect us? And I think that's a huge part of learning how to get rid of the conflict in our lives and learning how to embrace humility. And it's learning number three, learning this, my decisions are bigger than I am. Your decisions, my decisions, even though they might only seem like they're affecting you and you alone, have a much broader scope and reach than we might imagine. The implications of our decisions go beyond us. You know, especially in a relationship, right? As a husband or a wife, the decisions you make go beyond you. They directly impact the person you're married to. At your workplace, same thing. The decisions you make as an employee or an employer affect other people around you. And sometimes we might not see it because we're not thinking about it of how that might affect other people because we're so consumed with what it'll do for me or how it'll affect me. We completely forget the impact it'll have on other people. If you work with children, or maybe you work with kids at the church, or you're a teacher, or you have some sort of job where you regularly interact with young children, the things you say to them, the decisions you make, especially when they're younger, will follow them for the rest of their lives. When my wife was in fourth grade, her teacher pulled her aside and told her she'd never be smart enough to be in an advanced class. In fourth grade. And she carried that all throughout her life. And, and she's an adult now, so she understands, like, obviously that was not something they should say, but you know how big of an impact that had on her of constantly thinking she was never good enough? And that was just because of one person saying something. Our words, our decisions, the choices that we make are much bigger than just us. And I think to understand how to live humbly and live the way God's created us to live, we need to practice understanding that the decisions we make go beyond just us. They go just beyond the consequences that we have. Here's what he says next in, in verse 4. He says, don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Again, he keeps saying some of the same things over and over again, right? He's getting this point across to the church. Think of others more importantly than yourself. Stop trying to be selfish. Stop trying to only think about yourself. Go beyond your own little world, your own little worldview, and see that there's other people around you that matter, that matter to God, that matter to other people that have different points of view, and live in harmony with them. Don't let your selfishness, don't let your pride get in the way of your happiness. And so what he does is he gives us a list of things to do. Here's learning number four probably the most important thing. Finding joy gets easier when we take the focus off of ourself. Probably the hardest thing, but the simplest thing we can do is practice living our lives 
taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it on other people. And again, it's not that we don't matter. It's not that we, you know, our opinions don't matter. It's not that we can't ever have nice things or do things ourselves or even think about ourselves. It just means start living life like other people around you matter too. And so here's what I want to do before we close. I just want to give you a couple of really helpful things that you could immediately apply to your, your life, your relationships, your career, that will really help you start building the foundation of living your life uh, without pride and, and avoiding that conflict and really living in that life of humility that God calls us to. And they're not on your notes or on the app or anything, but you can write these down if you like any of them. Here's the first thing. We can listen more and we can talk less. This is really simple. You, we can listen more, we can talk less. If you're like me, you can dominate conversations pretty easily. You got a lot to say, right? a lot of stories to tell. Right? You know any of those people in your life where like, it's hard to talk around them because they're constantly only talking about themselves or their experiences and their stories? Right? They're the one-upper people. You know who these people are? <laughs> the ones where you tell a story and immediately before anyone can take a breath, they're telling their story about how their experience was the same and how it was more in- crazier than yours and, and it just kind of gets lost in there. Isn't it hard to live and, and be around those people? That's why it's so important for us to, to learn that and to understand it. It's okay to not share everything, even though that, that might not be what social media tells us. It's okay to, to enjoy moments of your life without telling everyone about them. Sometimes it's just simple as listening more, talking less. And you might say, well, my, my spouse or someone, they just, they're just introverted, they don't talk much. It's probably not because they don't have things to say. It's probably because they just don't have any opportunity to say it. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised at well, what people have to share and what people have to say if you just give them an opportunity to talk. And so we can practice that, listening more, talking less. Here's another one that's super easy. Learning to show appreciation. I mean, some of y'all, I've heard your stories. I know you work in businesses. You've started your own thing or you're really successful. And I'm sure you're really awesome but I'm, I'm pretty sure your success hasn't only come because you're really cool, <laughs> right? Or because you're really good at what you do. And I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, you're not, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that have put you on their shoulders to help you get to where you are today. Maybe that's as simple as looking at your parents. Maybe that's some coworkers. Maybe that's some friends or roommates you've had. Maybe that's your spouse where they've done a lot for you or have made your life a little simpler or paved the way for you to make opportunities easier to, to attain or goals easier to hit. Maybe you're in your family and, and one, of your, one of the spouses or one of, you, you know, one of you do more around the house than the other and maybe one of you works, maybe one of you doesn't or, or however that dynamic works. Maybe there's things that one of your spouses do that they've kind of taken ownership of. Sometimes it's so easy just to appreciate them for that to let them know, I see that. It helps us be humble. It helps us to look at what other people are doing around us a lot of those times to help us get to where we are or to make our lives easier. Appreciation goes a long way. And did you know appreciation is one of the greatest emotional needs we have as human beings of being seen by other people, especially the people we love. When people take notice in the things we do, people take notice in the small things that we do that have a large impact in life. And so an easy thing we can do is learn to show appreciation. Here's another really easy one. Choose your battles wisely. It's like an old age, right, you know, piece of advice, but, but we need to start learning how to choose our battles wisely. 
to pick the battles that we want to fight, and we can fight those, but, but not worry about arguing every other thing that pops out, pops out on our newsfeed. Okay? Here's the truth. You don't have to comment on every single post on Facebook. Okay? Even if you disagree with it, you don't need to tell everyone what you think about it. You don't need to tell everyone how you feel about it. It's okay to just pass that one up. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to turn your phone off or close your computer and just ignore it. Pick your battles. Choose your battles wisely. In premarital counseling, I'll try to do this, especially if I can see that there's a lot of conflict in that relationship. I'll say this to people, and and I'll say this to everyone, not just people who are in conflict, is one of the easiest things you can do before you get married is sit down together and write out a list of things that are really, really important to you. And then make a mark on that piece of paper, that note app, and, and mark out the things, the hills that you're willing to die on, the things that you're not willing to compromise on, and then share that with one another. One, because it, it helps you avoid a lot of unnecessary conflict, but also it helps the other person see what is really important to you. What are the things that you are really passionate about? And what it helps you do as an individual, too, is see, man, maybe I don't care about this as much as I thought I did. I don't really have to argue about this with other people or maybe my spouse or someone I care about. Choosing our battles wisely, picking our battles, huge advice to help us learn how to live in humility. Here's another one. This will be the last one. Learn how to confront with grace. When you do have an issue, when you do see conflict or you see some problem ahead of you, and again, that could be at work or in a relationship or anywhere, learn how to confront that person with as much grace as you can. No one wants to be told they're wrong. Nobody wants to be told they're not doing something right. And typically, most of us guys, if someone tells us we're doing something wrong, immediately, right, they're the bad guys, right? How could you, what? We get defensive, we feel attacked, like we feel like it just, it doesn't end well. One of the things my wife and I learned really early on, this was in our premarital counseling, someone told us this, our counselor, he said, do your best to have arguments and discussions with each other as you find necessary, but avoid using these two words, always and never. You confront one another about something or you're arguing about something or bringing something up, don't use the words never, like you never do this, you never do that, and don't use the word always, right? You always do this or you always do that because it comes across as an attack, right? Nothing's getting solved if that's how it starts. And so learning how to to have confrontation the healthy way and, and learning how to do it in grace as much as we can. And so we can do all of these things, right? There's a lot of things we can do to practice being humil- practice being humble and practice living in humility. But ultimately what Paul gives us as he closes out this section is he gives us the greatest example that we could possibly follow. And it's right in verse five. It's the example of Jesus. He says in verse five, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. If you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to avoid conflict, if you want to learn how to be humble and get rid of the pride in your life and live the way God's created you to live, to have the joy that he promises to you, then you need to follow the example of Christ. And what did he do? Verse 6, though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. I think about how crazy that is. He came to this earth and gave up his divine privileges where he could do whatever he wanted to do. I mean, those people who were persecuting him and crucifying him, a snap of his fingers is all it would have taken. But he chose to give up that right, give up that power 
to do what is right instead. He saw life through selfless eyes. And he considered other people like me and like you more important than doing what he was, was able to do because that was his right. He gave up himself. It says in verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The ultimate sacrifice where he truly put his money where his mouth was and said, you are more important than me and laid down his life for us. And the result of that is what happens next. He says, therefore, because Jesus did it this way, because he humbled himself and because he saw others as more important than himself, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that, the, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The result of the humility of Jesus resulted in an elevation to the highest place on earth. I think what we can see from this is following Christ's example works. The joy that we're, so many of us are after, the happiness that so many of us strive after, it's not in things. It's not in status. It's not an accumulation of, of possessions. It's in giving our lives up the way Jesus gave his life up for those around us for the people we live with, the people we live next to, the people we work with, the sacrifice, and it brings true joy. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning, and I know I speak for so many of us here about humility being a hard thing. It's not something we want. It's not something we naturally know how to do. And sometimes that makes certain areas of life more difficult than we think they need to be. But there's many of us in this room today who've been down the other side of things, who've lived selfishly, who've lived all about ourselves. And, and even though that lasts for a, for a little while, eventually it leaves us empty again. Lord, teach us to sacrifice for you. Teach us to learn how to avoid the conflict in our lives that, that takes away and steals the joy that you promise us that we can have. And God, help us to follow the example of your son, Jesus, as he came to this earth, laid down his life for each one of us, humbled himself, did what none of us would ever do, as he considered all of us more important than himself. Teach us how to live that out, Lord, as individuals, as families, as a church, and help us to love you more in the midst of it. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, y'all, thanks again for being here. As always, we're so appreciative of you spending your time here with us at Blue Ridge. If you want to fill out a connection card, you can do that on the QR code if you scan that or the Church Center app. A lot of stuff going on. We're actually opening up uh, signups for leaders, for growth, for groups this uh, summer session. So if you want to lead a group, and it doesn't have to be a Bible study. You don't have to be this amazing Bible teacher. Some groups, they just hang out with each other and they, they, they just go and have coffee together and talk about life. Others play golf together. It's just a fun way to meet other people and, and build some relationships that truly matter. If you want to lead one of those, you can go ahead and sign up on the, growth, or on the, on the connection card and I'll make sure to connect with you. If you want to give, uh, worship through giving this morning, you can do that there as well or in the black boxes in the back. But we really are grateful you were here this morning. Hope to see you next week as we continue this series on happiness and joy. Thank you so much.